It is wonderful to have uh, this kind of uh, learning place. Uh, there are some people who came first time today, so I'm going to talk about a little bit uh, what we discussed uh, last week. We are studying uh, this man, Paul. But we are not studying this man, Paul. We are studying Jesus who was revealed through this man, Paul. And this man, Paul, had a profound impact on human history, human civilization. He defined what Christianity is, was. And he gave shape to the Christianity. Without Paul, I'm not quite sure whether we would have this systematic understanding of who Jesus was. Uh, Jesus revealed himself, but also at the same time, Paul revealed Jesus. These two together. gives the complete picture. I mean, there were people who met Jesus Christ before Paul, but it was Paul who wrote about Jesus the first time. And then Gospel Mark, Matthew, Luke, John became leader. They read Paul's letter, and then they wrote their Gospels. So Paul was first who thought about this understanding of Jesus. And then later, gospel writers, they uh, start writing about Jesus in a different format, not as a letter, but in a form called gospel. But they were influenced by Paul. Paul was so impactful that We are not sure whether we could do any thinking without Paul's thinking. For example, grace, righteousness, salvation, sin, forgiveness, Lord, Messiah, and all these things, Paul defined all of them. And then we are regurgitating the same language over and over again last 2,000 years. And we are not quite sure whether we could go beyond that, go out of it to really talk about these things apart from Paul's thinking. So this is a wonderful man. Uh, through Paul, kind of new lifestyle uh, was revealed to us and then was possible somehow through Paul. And the interesting thing is, as I said before, he never met Jesus in person. He never uh, heard Jesus directly. So historical Jesus, he never had encounter. And yet, he defined who Jesus was. He defined what Christianity was. That was just amazing. How did a person get so much knowledge about Jesus without seeing it, without knowing it? So, as I said last week, Paul was not interested in Jesus, historical Jesus who was walking on earth. He doesn't mention about Paul's mir- uh, Jesus' miracles. He doesn't mention about uh, Jesus' exorcism or teaching or anything. He doesn't even mention anything about this historical Jesus. That's why when we uh, dissect his letters, in Galatians, for example, he, I think, I'm not sure, I think it's a whole letter. Uh, He uses only 11 times the uh, word Jesus in isolation. He never says Jesus, but he uses the word Christ 250 times. So he always talks about Christ, not 
Jesus who was walking on this earth. He was not interested in this Jesus. Of course, this Jesus is a Christ. But what he was more interested in was the Christ who was resurrected from the dead. And that Christ was not, did not exist in memory. Because he doesn't have memory of Jesus. This, he, what he talks about did not come from the memory that he had about Jesus. That living Christ was still alive to Paul. And he received that message from this living Christ. And this living Christ revealed himself to this man, Paul. And he articulated all these things. For us. Of course, it's not Paul who invented or created all these messages. He's very clear. He received it from the living Christ. So alone, Paul by himself could not do this. Jesus Christ helped him or guided him and used him. But he was the one who defined Christianity, defined Jesus, and defined what we believe in a lot of things. So that's what we are studying right now. What kind of Christ was revealed in this man, Jesus, uh, in this man, Paul? That's what we are interested in. So uh, that was last week, uh, briefly summarized. And this week, uh, we are going to actually read, and as I said, we have to read whole letters, seven authentic letters and uh, six other letters too. But we are not going to uh, do that. It's a too much a project and uh, too confusing. So I'm going to focus on Galatians. But what we are studying is not really Galatians study. What we are focusing is Paul, Paul's understanding of Jesus, which is manifested in, in the letter uh, to Galatians. That's what we are interested in. So whatever issue uh, there were, uh, because uh, letters uh, are uh, dealing with issues, right? You don't uh, just gen write general letters. When you write letters, you have a specific issue, and you want to address the, those specific issues. And in Galatians too, there were specific issues, but we are not really interested in those specific issues. But when Paul dealt with those specific issues, he had lens through which he saw these issues, and he gave answers to these issues. And that lens is his understanding of Jesus. His perspective of Jesus. And that guided him to give uh, that kind of advice to those specific issues. And I'm interested in those lenses through uh, which Jesus revealed himself to Paul. So we are going to read uh, chapter 1 today. But before uh, we read, uh, delve into uh, chapter 1, uh, I want to introduce briefly who this man was. Uh, most uh, kind of circumstantial uh, description. Uh, not really spiritual description of this man, but circumstantial uh, description of uh, this man. Uh, as I said, there are seven letters which are authentic letters. There's no uh, debate about it. But there are about six letters. It says Paul is uh, telling you, but it's not really Paul. They used the name Paul. Uh, but other uh, people, later generations, wrote it. Uh, and then one uh, book is Acts of Apostle, uh, which is like Acts of Paul. It's all about Paul. When you read Acts of Apostles, written by Luke, but it's all about uh, Paul. Uh, so probably maybe it's like Acts of Paul. 
So but we are going we are not going to look at just seven letters. We are going to look at the whole letters uh, and also Acts of Apostle. Who was Paul? Uh, he was a Jewish man. But he was very familiar with the Greek culture. So most likely he was 1.5 generation or second generation uh, Jew who lived in a Greek city. So he, he was uh, not monocultural. He was bicultural, cross-cultural. He was... Go, he was able to go back and forth between Jewish culture and dominant Greek culture. So he was able to do that. And in his language, he was able to speak Hebrew. He was able to speak Aramaic. He was able to speak uh, Greek, uh, probably fluently. Uh, Luke said he was born in Tarsus, and Tarsus is a Greek city. Uh, Stoics uh, uh, were there, a lot of Stoics were there, but uh, it's a Greek city. But later, uh, about four centuries uh, later, uh, there's a, a Christian man, a theologian called Jerome. And this Jerome uh, said that uh, his parents, Paul's parents, uh, lived in Giscala. Giscala is about 25 miles from Nazareth where Jesus was born. So about 25 miles uh, uh, from there. So most likely, he was born in Giscala and went to Tarsus when he was young, maybe six, seven, or one or two. They moved uh, to uh, Greek city, Tarsus. So he, and also he came back to uh, Jewish land. So there are some people here uh, maybe Italian Canadian or Korean Canadian. So you have both cultures. You move uh, back and forth and then know what uh, the other culture is, Italian or Korean uh, or Ch uh, Chinese uh, and also uh, Canadian uh, culture. He was like that. He's a kind of, uh, uh, he was able to uh, move back and forth. His name was, original name, Hebrew name was Saul. Uh, it's a very popular name, especially uh, for people who are uh, from uh, tribe of Benjamin. Uh, there are 12, 12 tribes, and the uh, tribe of Benjamin uh, he was from. But the, the most famous person in uh, tribe of Benjamin is King Saul. You know, King Saul, you know, uh, before David, uh, he was the first king of uh, the, uh, Israel. And King Saul, so uh, probably his parents uh, named him after this King Saul. So his Hebrew name was Saul. And then later uh, in a Greek city, uh, they were looking for name which is like Saul, so they chose Paul. Sound like, sounded like. So it's like if you're Jongchan, then maybe John. Uh, Korean name is Jongchan, then uh, uh, you name him John or something like that. So uh, that he uh, was Saul, but uh, he was given Greek name. Paul. So don't think that, oh, before he met Christ, he was Saul, but after he met Christ, he became Paul. No, that's not true. He was always Paul. He was always Saul. He was always Paul. So it's not really Christian name that uh, he received. So he had a Greek name and he had, he had a, a Hebrew name. And he was a Pharisee. And he said that in his own letter, uh, circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. The fact that he was a Pharisee gives us a lot of clue. 
about him. He was cream of the crops in that uh, society. One percent of the population was Pharisee. So, in other words, he uh, belonged to the one percent privileged group. Not only they had a lot of education, but they were rich. Uh, they had uh, uh, moral integrity, uh, and then they were respected by people. So, top one uh, percent. Uh, so, elite of elites. So, he was a uh, uh, Pharisee. And he didn't say it, but according to, the, according to Luke, he was a student of Gamaliel. And in, around that time, before Paul's time, there were two big schools of thought. One is Shammai, and the other is Hillel. And Hillel is a little bit more, uh, when, you, when you go to U of T, there's a Hillel uh, Jewish uh, uh, building too. Uh, so uh, Hillel uh, is a uh, little bit more progressive and much more interested in social justice. And they were also uh, more flexible in terms of interpreting the law. So that's a Hillel, Hillel school. But Shammai school is much more strict and, and all that. And uh, Hillel's uh, uh, the, 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 the grandson was uh, Gamaliel. And then uh, Paul was a student of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was a very well-known school, uh, well-known well scholar. So now when you look at it, maybe he's a, a student of uh, Ivy League school or uh, you know something like that. So he had a very, very high education. And then he uh, probably uh, was doing uh, tent making. And at that time, tent was a very uh, kind of famous and then, uh, because there were no hotels. So uh, they carried tents. And then uh, they pitched tent and then uh, lived. So uh, probably they provided, his father provided tent for the Roman soldiers. And so he got uh, citizenship, Roman citizenship. So he was a Jew, but he had a Roman citizenship. He was born uh, Roman. So educationally, financially, culturally, religiously, elite and passionate. He said he was zealous uh, religiously. So when he met Christ, all his education, all his passion for God, all his understanding of his culture worked together somehow and exploded. He was very different from other disciples. Other disciples were fishermen. Fishermen is a law of the law, uh, labor. And then Paul was very different. But all this background come together. I mean, he's saying that all, all these things I, I consider rubbish. It's a hindrance. Too. But I don't think, he's just saying it, but uh, I think all these things work together when Jesus, when he met Christ, it's like, a, uh, uh, what is it, uh, the, put a, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the fire, the, the thing that you put, and then it explodes. What do you call that? Huh? Kerosene, yeah. So a little thing, and then you put that, and then triggers, and then it was open, and then everything came together in understanding. So when uh, Paul uh, met Christ, somehow Christ really opened up uh, his world and he was able to understand Christ in a new uh, way, new realization. Uh, then let's think about his change. Meeting Christ, what kind of change he had? His change was not a religious change. He, he was not a secular man and became religious after me, uh, meeting Christ. He was not a Buddhist or Muslim and became a Christian. He was not a Jew and beca uh, became a Christian. He was a Jew 
until he died. There was no such thing as Christianity until much later. So it's not, uh, it was not religious conversion. It's not change of religion. I mean, there's a uh, massacre uh, going on in Israel, a conflict going on. And then behind it, there is a kind of religious uh, uh, kind of color there, too. In 2021, uh, Jews went into uh, this holy uh, place, Ar-Aqsa, and then Muslims were praying, and then they uh, kind of uh, beat uh, worshipers and attack them, drag them out, and and then th that really uh, made them uh, mad and angry. And there was other things, but you know, unthinkable things uh, that Hamas uh, did uh, to Jewish people. And uh, so, uh, so some somehow the, in the background there's a, a religious tone. Uh, you cannot uh, get rid. Uh, you cannot uh, ignore that. So Paul's change was not a religious change. And Paul's change was not moral change either. It's not that, oh, he was drinking, uh, drinking, and then, uh, you know, the, the smoking, and then uh, he was uh, doing uh, gambling, and, you know, all this, uh, you know, he lived like a, in a secular way, and all of a sudden meeting Christ, and now I, I only thing that I do is pray. No, it's, it's not that kind of uh, moral change that he was bad before and then uh, all of a sudden he became good. No, it's the opposite. He thought he was good, but he, after meeting Christ, he realized that he was bad. Isn't it a strange change? Most change that we are talking about is, oh, I used to be bad, but now I'm good. Meeting after meeting Christ. But in his case, I used to think that I was good, but after meeting Christ, I realized I'm bad. That kind of change that Paul experienced. I mean, uh, let me read uh, one. Uh, I do not understand my own actions. This is after meeting Christ, not before meeting Christ. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing that I hate. He realized about himself. I thought I was doing good. But I realized that I'm not doing the good that I want. I do the evil, exactly the opposite of the good that I hate to do. I keep doing that. He realized. He realized that you don't work for God. God works for you. That's what he realized. He thought that he was really doing good for God. Oh, God, I do this, I do that, and all these things. But that's rubbish. He realized that I don't do anything good. God does good for me. That's what he realized. Reverse. That was what happened. That is the kind of change Paul experienced. You know, change has to happen within me first. When change doesn't happen within you, don't try to change anybody. When change doesn't happen within you and you try to change other people, that's a violence. That's a violence. Change has to happen within me first. Then this change flows to others. When Paul's heart was opened, God was able to come into his heart. And when God came into his heart, his thinking opened up, his eyes opened up, and his world opened up. His change was so radical that some people uh, said that he left Judaism. But I don't think so. He was Jew until the end. 
But Judaism could not bind him. His tradition could not bind him. The law could not bind him. His nationality could not bind him. Even Christians could not bind him. After meeting Christ, he was free. Neither male nor female, neither Christians nor non-Christians, neither this nor that, he was free. Nothing could bind him. He discovered new existence, new sense of existence. That's wonderful for a person. One person's change swept through the whole Europe, whole, uh, the whole world in some ways. One person could do that. One person. He was able to change the whole world because inside there was explosion, expansion. Universe was expanded within him. His world opened up. When these things don't happen, we, we live such a small heart and then we think that, you know, we change the world. No. This whole world expanded within him. And he was able to redefine what grace was, what God was, who God was what Christianity was, what faith was. He was able to redefine all these things because within him, the whole universe expanded, opened up. That is a kind of change Paul, one person, experienced. So we are going to have a discussion and a you are, you are here not just to hear lecture from me. Uh, you are here to explore together the truth. Truth of your life. Truth of your existence. Truth of your uh, uh, belief. That's what we are uh, uh, trying to do collectively. I hope that spirit guides you, opens up, inspires you, and so that you can uh, have a discussion together sincerely. And so I have just these guiding questions uh, that uh, you're not supposed to answer these questions. These are just guiding questions so for you to talk about uh, things. How did God use Paul's previous life experiences? How would God use your unique life experiences or circumstances? So reflect upon your life and uh, think about how God uses sometimes your life experiences to reveal the jewels of truth, jewels of life uh, in you. So that is uh, questions that uh, I want to throw to you. Okay, so that is a five to eight. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's not in that slide, but there's another question that is, how does pause change tell you about the nature of change? Now, how does Paul's change tell you about the nature of change? What does change look like? Uh, when you look at Paul's change, what does really change look like? I want you to discuss that too. Okay? All right. It is wonderful to see how sincerely you are discussing together about life, about truth, and from young to old, from 20-year-old to 60-year-old, gather together and then uh, share life together. So, so let's first uh, talk about uh, your experience and how God used your experiences or circumstances anything to share
Come on. I'm sure that you have. Uh, uh, what are the uh, what are the, the relationship between God and your experiences? Many times we think that our experiences are separate from, you know, God and God is God and my experience is my experience. But what what are the re- uh, dynamics and relationship between these two? Any good thoughts and insights? <laughs> Sometimes bad experiences. I just talked with Bob uh, before the Bible study began. And when he went through difficulties and hardships and suffering, the jewels of truth uh, are revealed. Until you go through that, you don't see it. Uh, Like patience, uh, uh, hope. Uh, You don't know really what love is until you go through suffering. Until then, it's just feeling good love. But love is much more than that. And that is revealed through sometimes bad experiences. Uh, And good experience, sometimes good, but these uh, jewels of truth are hidden sometimes. So when bad experiences you experience, don't get so frustrated and don't go into despair. Find what is God doing here? Where is God in this? Ask yourself just simple question. Instead of just reacting to your bad experiences, think about where is God in this? What is God doing here? And then much later, you'll discover, ah, this was what God was doing. You realize. Okay. Good. Anything else?
I mean, that's exactly what Paul experienced. Experienced. He thought that those Christians were culprits, but he realized that he was a culprit, and he uh, contributed to this uh, problem uh, quite a lot. So sometimes experiences expand us so that we see the bigger picture uh, rather than uh, fall into the, our small world. We come out of that small world to see the bigger uh, picture of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else? How about this young group? Any insight that you give to the older ones? <laughs> I mean, it's a such important age for you guys. You will experience so many things. There are so many things ahead of you. You will experience all those things. And how you're going to in- interpret them is more important than the experience themselves. How you're going to interpret them. Either that makes you grow or get destroyed. That's so profound. <laughs> yes, your, ex- your experiences will shape you, definitely. Every single experience that we experience will shape me in a certain way. But how are you going to let those experiences shape you? It's up to you. You're not just pa- passive recipient of your experiences. You always interpret your experiences. And so how they will shape me uh, depends on your understanding of your experiences. So if you have good spiritual understanding of your experiences through the lens of God, that will shape you in a positive way. Even bad experiences can shape you uh, for the better, for good. Good point. Anything else? Okay, second question. Uh, What does Paul's change tell you about the nature of change? How about this group? A lot of laughter here, so. about the change?
okay, uh, about transformation, this uh, uh, that radical transformation uh, that happens. And then we have to ask ourselves, can I make that radical transformation? I am I. How can I make a change that is not me? You know what I'm saying? If I'm the agent of change, I can only change within I. But if it is complete transformation, which is not I even sometimes, can I make that? So you, you always, that, that kind of transformation comes from outside. That's why St. Paul, when he's, whenever he talks about transformation, he says, be transformed. Passive sentence he's using. See, it's not that I am going to transform myself. That was not it. I'm being transformed by out the force outside of me. That is a very strong idea of St. Paul about change. And this uh, Paul's change, I'm going to talk about that a little bit uh, later, but what happened on the road to Damascus is just one thing. He didn't receive all the revelations there. There was continuous existence in a way for Paul. So it's not really uh, one change, but it started from then on, continuous change. Uh, so in the beginning, uh, in the old, oldest letter, he said, I'm a sinner. And a little later, he said, I'm a sinner of sinner. And then at the end, I am the, uh, I, I'm the, uh, the uh, what is that? The, uh, the, 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 uh, huh? Uh, no, I, I'm the, 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 the uh, ultimate sinner, or no, I'm the, the author of sinner, or something like that. He, 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 so his understanding of his sin gets deeper and deeper and deeper later. So he, his change continued. Yeah. But not to the positive side, maybe to the negative side. <laughs> Interesting. So he becomes smaller, God becomes bigger. That is kind of change. Paul's change is, is not really about me, worse person, and becoming a better person. His change was that he didn't realize how bad he was, and he realized how bad he was. And it was okay to see that. In other words, his change was change of being honest about himself. He had enough empowerment to be honest, to embrace his own weakness. Before he was hiding his weaknesses, thinking that I am this kind of person. But later, he was so courageous he was able to embrace his vulnerability and weakness, total vulnerability and weakness. And that, that was okay to be able to uh, accept that. That is the kind of change that Paul. So this is kind of, it, it is a governing principle of Paul's theology. How powerfully the grace works in his work in his life. Because he realized about he, himself so clearly. That means God became much bigger. Before he tried to change himself by the law. Okay, law says, don't do this, don't do that. So, okay, I don't do this, I don't do that. That's how he lived his life. But he realized that that's just that's just lie, life of lie. He, he doesn't realize, that doesn't work. And then and a lot of people uh, still take Bible in that way. They, they see, read the Bible, oh, Bible says don't do this, don't do that, oh, do this or do that, so I follow, don't do this and do this. 
And that is total. No, that just simply doesn't work. Paul realized. You know, you try to do that, you are lying. You know, you're not being honest. That, that's what Paul uh, uh, was saying. And uh, you have to live an authentic life, the real life, that brings about change by outside, by God. Not you. you know. Okay, so we'll look at uh, chapter 1. And then I'm not going to explain everything, but we'll just go through uh, reading uh, one, two, five. Uh, Jonathan, can you read that, please? One to five. Verse 4 is a very key passage we are going to study next week, not today. So, who get, Jesus gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. And that is a key uh, passage in this chapter about Christ. But can you go back to the thing? Uh, even right from the beginning, Paul and Apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities. It's very clear, right from the beginning. I, didn't, uh, I wasn't commissioned by other human beings. No human being sent me. So that was very clear uh, right from the beginning. So let's uh, uh, read uh, 6 to 12. You read so well, so can you? When you look at uh, verse uh, 6 to uh, 12, uh, usually at verse 6, Paul in other letters, for example, Philippians and uh, Romans and other, I thank God for you, I thank God. And so he uh, writes down all the thanking. But right here, I just don't understand you guys. How come this happened? Why do you do that? And so he was really upset already in the uh, letter, very passionate about the gospel that, uh, because they ran away from the gospel that he preached. And we are going to study that gospel a little later. And then so 13 to 24. Thank you. <laughs> you have a good voice.
So in this passage, when you uh, look at it, the key is nobody, nobody commissioned me. It is God who called me when I was in my mother's womb. And he, he also emphasized that I didn't go up to Jerusalem to meet the uh, leaders or disciples, the ones who met uh, uh, Jesus Christ. I just went to Arabia, and then I, I got all these things on, on my own. I didn't receive it from them. Uh, after many years, I, I went up and then uh, finally met Christ, but uh, I mean uh, the disciples, but I didn't really get receive all this teaching from uh, the uh, disciples. When you look at chapter 1, you realize Paul's life was a life of mystery. That's what you think. I was commissioned when I was in my mother's womb, and I received this not from any other human beings. I received directly from Christ. Everything is somehow God's mystery. Until then, his life was so predictable. Follow the law one by one. His life was predictable and that everything was in his control. And that was a theme of his life. He was the author of his life. He was the agent of his life. Everything should be within my control. But now, he realized that everything was not in his control. His apostleship was not in his control. It's not something that he decided. It's God who already decided. It came from the mystery that he didn't know. It was there even before he was born, while he was in his mother's womb. The gospel he received it's not from any uh, other human beings, from the mystery. It was not something he figured out. It was given to him through revelation. Very different lifestyle. Very different way of looking at life. The new world began for him. Somehow, the whole new world began through Christ. Not just in him, but he said, we are going to talk about it next week, but in this age, new age began. New age began. New period began. New revelations flooded his consciousness. His consciousness was not empty and hollow. It was not just filled with the logics and then uh, theories, but this, his, his consciousness was filled, flooded with this revelation about the truth of life. Every day he was filled with new insights about life. That was why he had a deeper understanding that the disciples did not have. Even though they saw Jesus, they heard directly from Jesus, they ate with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, but all the time Jesus saw them, oh, man of little faith, how long must I stay with you? I mean, when you look at Gospels, Jesus was so frustrated with the disciples because they were with Jesus physically, and yet they had no idea of what Jesus was trying to do. What Jesus was all about. Here, they had no idea. Three times he predicts that. I will go up to Jerusalem and will be killed. And then first time he said it. And Peter said, that shouldn't happen. And Peter rebuked Jesus. And Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. And second time he said that he, I will go up to Jerusalem and uh, be killed. And then uh, the, the, the disciples on the way, so what were you arguing about? They were arguing about who is greater. While Jesus was talking to them, that I'm going to die soon. They had no idea. They were arguing who is better, who is greater. 
And third time, Jesus uh, was, uh, t- uh, told them, I'm going to uh, Jerusalem to be killed. And then uh, James, uh, James and, uh, what is it? John and James, uh, uh, is it right? Yeah, uh, John and James uh, came and said, uh, can we sit on your right hand? And can my brother sit on your left hand? I mean, while Jesus was saying, I'm going to die. And then they were talking about who will have the greater seat. And then not only those two, the other ten, uh, ten got indignant. They were upset and angry because they were going to ask first. But these two guys went up first and then asked Jesus, right? They had no idea of what Jesus was all about while physically they were with Jesus. That's why Jesus was so frustrated. But this Paul, even though he was not physically with Jesus, he did not uh, see Jesus, yet the revelation flooded his consciousness. He is filled with new insights about life. Don't you think that's heaven? Heaven is not when you have good sushi. Heaven is when you realize about your life, about yourself, about God, about truth. When you have these insights, that's what heaven is. You realize, oh, that's great. And then Paul was filled with this new insight every day. So his life was completely new. And of course, it's not a one-time thing. Continuously that happened. New life. Every morning is a new morning. New day. That's why he said this. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. It's not just uh, the, the, the new being. New creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. He realized this wonderful things. And he Compared to that newness, what he used to have is rubbish. This is what he said. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss, rubbish, or in Korean, dong, or dung. <laughs> I mean, the actual real word is that. You know, it's nice. You know, it's the Bible, so it's nicely you have to put it. But in the actual uh, original Greek, it's uh, dung. Right, Because of Christ, more than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I mean, this is a person from the mouth of the person who experienced Jesus every day. Every morning was every new day. And he was saying things like that. I consider everything else lost, rubbish, because surpassing value of knowing Christ. It was so wonderful to him, knowing this Christ. Disciples did not have any idea, but Paul had this wonderful understanding of Christ. The old age was gone, and the new age had come. The law was gone, and the spirit had come. Sin was gone, and forgiveness had come. Judgment and condemnation were gone, and grace had come. Death was gone, and life had come. Wonderful life he had. So he didn't really care whether he would die on that day or not. To him, death is gain. Living is Christ. These insights, he just didn't know what to do. He had to just write down. Well, he didn't write it. At that time, uh, they don't write. There was no paper. There was no uh, pen. 
you know, on papyrus, somebody who's professional, they write, and Paul just regurgitate. These insights, the revelation come, and he just slay, and then these people write. Let me read to you how beautiful it is. The insight. If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I had hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and love is continuous. This revelation just flooded. And I have to write this. I have to, you know, to write it. Before, you forget, before I forget, write it. Let me read another one. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what, is, what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. How wonderful, how wonderful living like this. So when we talk, talk about this love, Jesus Christ, uh, the earthly Jesus, the historical Jesus said the greatest commandment is love. So historical Jesus and exalted Christ, they are same. Impossible. Paul articulated in a different way what Jesus already said. Love is the greatest commandment. And so everything else will be, uh, uh, vanish, but love will remain to the end. That is kind of quality of life that we miss in modern days. We have so much material. But we don't experience this heaven. We don't experience these jewels of life insights. We have con convenience. We have comfort. And yet, we don't have inspiration. We don't have excitement about life. That's very sad. You replace it. You know, you exchange it. The glory for the convenience. That's sad. We need to re rediscover. We need to recover. That's why we do Bible study. So that we can recover that essence of life. True joy and meaning in life. All right? Is it exciting? Yeah. Doesn't sound like exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who is so excited. <laughs> okay, discussion. Discuss together how you can incorporate the mysteriousness of life in your daily living. What should be your attitude? So, uh, you have uh, about 10 minutes. Six, seven minutes uh, beyond our time. <clears throat> Anything that you want to share? Go ahead.
That's right. So that is part of the reality that we live in. And in that aspect, can we do a little better? Or are we just uh, scared of that? And then we completely ignore that, thinking that we know everything. But that big part, uh, aspect, part of life is also our life. Uh, is it possible that we can incorporate that into our lifestyle? That's good. That's uh, <laughs> very concrete. So that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Anything else? Any other insights? I mean, embracing uh, the unknown. That's a very important part of our lives, and we are not very good at it. Embracing the mystery of life. We are not very good at it. We are very uncomfortable. But embracing the unknown and embracing the mystery uh, is faith. Uh, Abraham, when he had no uh, child, God said to him, I'll make you a father of great nation. You know, never mind great nation. I don't even have a child. And I'm 80 year old. 85 years old. How can I do that? So, unknown, the mystery. He had to embrace that and then move on. Jacob, same thing. Uh, the unknown. He had to struggle to embrace that unknown. And God provided. So, let us do a little better with the unknown, with the mystery part of our lives. And then faith will help you greatly. And pray. Uh, even before this Bible study, I sat down and uh, for about an hour I prayed. I prepared everything, but beyond that, I have no control. I sat down and prayed with my hands, uh, palm open, and let God uh, do the mystery. So, see what God is doing uh, in your life. When you encounter the mystery, don't be too scared. Just leave it in God and pray and see what happens and what God does. Good, Simon. Well, next week, we are going to talk about identity a little bit. Uh, it is no longer I who lives in me, but Christ uh, living in me. Uh, we had a really good conversation with John and Peter about identity. I hope that we could have some good discussion next week about identity.